Culture Podcast. We bought him with Welcome to We Bought a Mic Pop Culture Podcast, where we talk the latest in celebrity deaths. <laughs> Moment we, of silence for Mac yeah. Miller. We barely really talked about it last week, uh, but it is uh, very sad. A lot of people around our age, like, he was huge for them. Mm-hmm. Like, just because he was like just a little bit older than us and his music like the evolution of it kind of reflects growing up like that's why i liked him because there's a big arc in his evolution as a musician um where like i didn't really like him at first like i'm not going to be one of those i i don't want to pretend to be one of the people that's like oh he touched me from the start right same but i i had a few songs of his on rotation in high school and then uh his i think it's 2014 mixtape bases I think is like unbelievable. I think it's like one of my top and five mixtapes of all time. The the only thing I kind of wanted to say is that he was never someone who popped on my radar, but then once he passed, I saw how just the the reach that he had. How many people like genuinely yeah felt remorse for for his death, and I was like, damn. Like even though I personally wasn't. Uh, you know, touched by his music, just seeing how many people were really got to he me. He was, yeah, he was, I mean, the thing about him is, like, no matter who you are, he was, like, the most, he just had a magnetic personality. Um, I always say another thing that, I've always said this, like, he's, he, I think he's the only white rapper I can think of that kind of just sounds like he should be a rapper. Most of them kind of sound like, yeah, I, I learned this, like, really hard. Like, Macklemore sounds like... He's trying too much. He's, yeah, he's a guy, and they're, you know, I don't want to, not just, like, racially, there are a lot of, like, Big Sean is another guy who just sounds like he learned rap. He doesn't sound like a rapper. Mac Miller, he had a very unique flow and a very unique cadence, even when his music was not so consequential. Um, but his personality, he was beloved by everybody. Like, 20 different people I follow on Twitter who were just, like, it's like comedians and like Thundercat. They were all like, I was just texting you last night. Like yeah. you were my best friend. Like everyone was friends with this people guy. posting yeah. pictures with him. No, I mean it's it's really tragic. I I'm kind of in the similar boat to you. I was like familiar with Mac Miller. I still kind of listened to some of his music, but it makes it even more of a tragedy because I feel like he was really starting to come into his own. Like I think that Dang is my favorite Mac Miller song. Yeah. It's only like a year or two old at this point. Like it seemed like. He was really starting to grow as an artist. I mean, it's more about something like this happened because literally the night before he died, he posted like new tour dates that he was going out. Oh yeah, he was going. He was touring with Thundercat. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was just yeah, brand new album out. Yeah, Um, and yeah, like I said, uh, like if you haven't listened to 2014's Faces, it's free. It's a mixtape, and I really think it's like it's probably his strongest work. It's it's hard to listen to now because it is about uh, kind of carefree drug use, like heavy drug use. Damn. Uh, it, it has a lot of like acid rap vibes where it's just like careless and just carelessly very good. You're like, he's just effortlessly sounding great. Uh, 
And then this year, we didn't give a full review to his uh, album this year, but I, I did mention that I thought that all of the singles released before it were incredibly strong. Uh, Programs and Self-Care are two of my favorite songs of the whole year, uh, no doubt. The album itself I thought was kind of disappointing, uh, but he was he was really evolving. That song "Self-Care" is so bit it's so heartbreaking uh, now that he's gone because the lyrics are about like uh, taking care of yourself and being okay with being alone and being okay with being yeah. fucked up. Yeah, and then and there's, there's this haunting. My favorite thing about the song is there's this great beat switch, and it goes to like this really spacey beat, and he starts talking about how he almost got lost in oblivion. And it just, it's like a send-off almost. It's very, a lot of his stuff is hard to listen to now, but I, I think that he was a talented guy, and I think above all else, he was a good person. He's one of those guys that there's just not, the only bad stories are centered around his addiction. But really, I, no one is like, he was a bad guy. Really? I can't imagine, like, how Ariana Grande feels right now, just because she just released a new album that is incredible. It's probably the best pop album of the year and she's had to basically be silent on the internet because people are just like coming after her saying that she is the reason like she basically killed Mac Miller and all this kind of stuff and they were dating for a long time like she was really really in love with him and I know that this is absolutely heartbreaking for her and I just want to say like to all the people out there who are like blaming Ariana Grande for all this like fuck you guys like you obviously know nothing about the situation this is something that Mac Miller has been struggling with for a long time. That was one of the reasons why Ariana Grande ended up leaving Matt Miller was because he wasn't getting any better with his addiction and he never really sucked, like, he never seeked the help that he needed to get better. Yeah, uh, yeah, certain drugs are not to be fucked with. Uh, most of them are to be fucked with, but certain ones you don't, you don't do. Yeah, the ones that will, like, give you a dependency over yeah you know. and, and the ones that could just be fentanyl and you don't know it yeah that's that's killed a lot yeah all those the mystery powders mystery pills all that yeah. shit um cocaine is cool guys but the 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 point about drugs too is that a lot of uh musicians uh in a lot of genres but mainly in like modern hip-hop with this like soundcloud generation all that shit they glorify drug use and they make song after song about like being fucked up and and how cool it is to to get fucked up and it's like yeah there is a certain level of recreational drug use but a lot of people will listen to that music and not process the lyrics in a way that they should and they take a bad to party music and not like what the artist is actually trying to say or yeah. not or not even that but just like not understand that just because someone is making a song about a certain thing means that you should go out and like get fucked up. Yeah, it's a hard balance because like art is supposed to, you know, most of the time reflect the artist's life, especially music. It's a deeply personal type of art. So if the artist is doing that, then their art should be about that. Otherwise, they're just kind of like denying the yeah. of their life. But it is, it's a tricky situation. Yeah, and then when you answer. when you factor in like fame and celebrity and having to deal with like. All that shit that we don't even know about it you know I know that this podcast is like ridiculously popular and that and that people are gonna people recognize it's not my face yeah it's our voice that. we it's can't talk I have to just like I've learned sign language to sign yeah because they'll recognize our voices yeah. but when when your face is out there and when people recognize you like that must be a, a really tough life to live to not be able to walk around 
uh, yeah. in anonymity. Um, and then the other part about that is the Ariana Grande situation with her being like uh, blamed because of her relationship with Pete Davidson and how public that has been and how it's like, oh, you should have thought, how people are, like, are saying like, oh, you should have thought how Mac Miller must have felt with you flaunting your new boyfriend around the internet. It's like, that's not fair. Like, like that's you not fair. happy with a new person in And also life. like paparazzi is a thing or are a thing. And you know, it's a lot of times it's not even her choice to make the yeah. relationship public will, if there's people following her around with cameras. I, I will say that, like, obviously my feeds on socials are, like, selective, but I have seen a lot more people saying, like, hey, don't do that, as opposed to people being like, hey, it's your fault. I've right. Seen, I've seen... But if you go on her Instagram and you look at yeah, the comments right. of her posts, it's, like, really fucked yeah, up. Yeah, people are going back to, like, every Instagram post yeah. she's ever made and just, like... Yeah, people are stupid. Um, people are totally stupid. R.I.P. R.I.P. Yeah, I've decided that I'm going to stop uh, freebasing fentanyl live on the podcast. Good, good. For, for the kids. We're, we're here to support you. At least for yeah, because like, I feel like, next week. feel like it's rubbing off on Brett the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> Into his ear holes. Um, so let's, um, that's, it's, um, it's a tough thing to, to talk about death, but um, it's another tougher thing to talk about um, corporate um, uh, wokeness. Um, okay. So we, we never introduced ourselves. I'm, I'm, I'm Ernest Calderon. I am Mac, I mean Hunter Mobley. And uh, today we're going to be giving you a review of The Predator, um, but we're going to try to uh, push that as far uh, back, into the end of the show as, our, yeah, as we possibly can. So, so we're so, going to actually, like, we're just going to be talking and not even listening to our house speak, and so we can watch Mike play Rick <laughs> while we're recording. I don't even know why we saw Predator. <laughs> like, I don't even I know I deeply why we saw regret it. it. Uh, but yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll we'll review that at the the end of the show. And before we get to that, we got some news to catch up on. Um, mainly the inclusion of Colin Kaepernick as the face of the 30th anniversary of Just Do It from Nike of their Just Do It slogan. So Nike is not a 30-year company, but Just Do It is. So to celebrate that, they hired um, re, um, famously unemployed. Footballer Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. to be their 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 guy. Famously, a guy who, if he stepped in the NFL right now, would be like the fifteenth best quarterback. <laughs> but yeah, there's all kinds of mess surrounding that whole situation because yeah. of course he, he kneeled during the anthem. Yeah, so it's whole, it's a whole thing. This whole thing. Yeah. And I really am wondering how uh, the NFL and they're pretty much thirty-one old white owners feel about the face of the brand that's on all of their jerseys being the guy who they basically refused to give him a job and yeah. they kind of blacklisted him from society and now he is the face of Nike. Yeah, and it's it's I think I think it's more than that because Cap has become like a a punchline and a and a, a caricature in the past couple of years by conservative pundits to point out like what's wrong with liberal America and with, uh, you know, SJWs and Black Lives Matter, like they use his likeness all over uh, their, you know, their content to say like, this is why liberal America doesn't support the troops. This is why Trump is a great president because he's fighting for real America. And it's like, Cap has 
has like evolved beyond the NFL and beyond football and oh, like yeah. and like he whether he intended it or not this whole thing has has transcended to like Which a whole I, another level. I will say that I'm not just like an ultimate all hands on deck Colin Kaepernick defender because he does a lot of stupid like he made this whole he started this whole movement and then he didn't even vote in the presidential election. Oh, he was one of those? Yeah, he oh, was one shit. of those guys just like, it's not even a point in voting, man. It's like, well, what kind Damn. of message? If you're trying to send this like powerful message, you still live in a yeah. democracy and you need to kind of do your part for that. Yeah, well, this is a really big uh, move by Nike, though. And the cynical side of it is that they didn't make this move just based on morals, like not looking at numbers. They were looking at numbers and they were saying, Sales. This is good for us. Yeah. But... Either way, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, uh, when I first saw it, I was like, hell yeah. Yeah, shout yeah. out to everyone on Twitter who was burning their shoes. Their <laughs> yeah. shoes. Cutting off their swoosh logos. Yeah, there were people cutting their swoosh so it looks like their clothes were like attacked by a dog <laughs> to, to own Nike. Um, shout out to Stefan Heck on Twitter. He's a very funny follow. He posted a fake screen cap and he was like, you know, screw you, Nike. I just ordered a million dollars worth of shoes and I'm shipping them straight to the dump. <laughs> and, and like, thousands of people were like, some people were like, yeah, man, hell yeah. And then some people were like, like, obviously you did this as a joke, but why would you spend a million dollars on a joke? <laughs> also, shout out to all the um, believe in something, even if it means sacrificing everything memes with the black and white. Yeah, Because yeah. that was, that was the, the, the ad, the slogan for this new campaign. And I tried to get in on the fun, and no one, no one liked my my shit post. <laughs> I I did the Shia LaBeouf just do it with that on it. That's a couple years old. Nobody nobody liked it. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stale meme. Yeah, basically. the big one was Thanos. Yeah. Even even if it means means sacrificing half of everything. Oh. Yeah, but the the big thing I I want to talk about is like something that people have been bringing up is the kind of. Um, hypocrisy of Nike because they're by supporting Kaepernick they're supporting Black Lives Matter and like human rights and all this thing but if you really look at Nike they produce all their shoes in like yeah. poor ass sweatshops <laughs> in Indonesia and Vietnam yeah and that, I mean that's that's why I'm cynical about all this stuff and the thing is like even we're not wearing Nike right now but everything that we're wearing is made by people who are yep. Horrible lives. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm wearing some Nike shoes. I bought them. Oh, yeah. Cap. Yeah. Kaepernick's <laughs> face is actually on my shoes. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so that is looming in the background. But overall, I, just, I think it's cool that they had enough support and this movement has enough support. That and their sales have gone, like, really high. Yeah, 30%. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Huge. I think it's I think it's good that there is enough support that they made this move knowing that it was a good move business-wise. Yeah. I mean, I know that it is more than just a football thing. I just can't get over the irony that football, like the owners, who are all a bunch of like 80-year-old white dudes, signed a contract with Nike. So it's not like they can just like change their jerseys. Like they have to, every team has to wear Nike jerseys for at least the next like five years or something. Every NFL team? Every NFL team. Oh my God. They have an exclusive deal with the NFL Nike does. That's great. I didn't know that. And now Colin Kaepernick is the face of them. Like I just think the irony there is just incredible. That's gold. That's gold. Uh, Okay. Let's move on to our last bit of news here, which is 
Warner Brothers DC Universe and why it's wanted to talk about this. Why they should just call it quits. <laughs> Come on, guys. I within the past week the news broke. Actually, I don't even know how much news this is, but a bunch of people reported that Henry Cavill is out as Superman. No. I feel like I feel like this is just some blog post that got I mean it's from the Hollywood Hollywood Reporter, but there's no official news from DC or Warner Brothers about this. This is really just a glorified rumor. But if we're being honest, like <clears throat> with all this turmoil and all this doubt being cast and and, yeah. and offshoot movies happening and recalibration with Aquaman and they just they should just stop it. I mean, especially if it ends up that Henry Cable and Ben Affleck both drop out. At that point, if your two flagship heroes of Superman and Batman drop out of your franchise, mm-hmm. then I mean Matt Matt Reeves. But they won't because there's still money. It doesn't. Is I, there though? Yes, they're making profits. No, still. they're not, dude. They're not. Justice they, they League lost a bunch of money off Ju- Justice. League. Well, Justice League, yeah, but like Wonder Woman is going to make the money. Made I, money. Honestly, I feel like Aquaman is going to make money, even though it shouldn't. I don't think it is, dude. I, I hope not. But I, the problem is, I was scared because every time that preview comes on, I'm the, I'm the only one in the theater. Redheads gotta love them. Yeah, when, whenever that comes on, I'm the only one in the theater that's laughing at how bad it is, and everyone else is like, "Yeah, that's a movie." Oh, yeah, it looks no, so bad. I, I've had that situation too, uh, and it's like that and night school are the two trailers that I always see, where my audience is like dying, like, "Oh my god, this is so funny!" I'm like laughing, like, "How is this being made right now? What is happening?" Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Really quick, Tiffany Haddish is she's getting the Melissa McCarthy treatment, where studios are like, "Oh, she's really funny naturally, so we don't have to write a movie anymore. We can just put her in front of the camera." That's the same thing with Melissa. Um, her, she's big, tall girl. Kevin Hart, little short man. <laughs> the other, the other side of this news is that apparently they're <laughs> switching up the DC universe so much that they may even cancel the Cyborg movie, which I refuse to believe. No. Anything but that. Summer 2020 can't come fast enough. Um, I need to see this movie. Yeah, did anyone uh, care about that character at all in the movie? I did. I just didn't. I didn't. He looked like so bad. <laughs> he looked bad. I didn't think that just the way that he was played, the way he was written really was just so melodramatic. There was just nothing. And then he was like expected to make jokes too. It, I mean, the whole movie obviously was a nightmare. But they promised us that this movie was going to come out in 2020. They, they secured a release date, and I expect them to follow through. This was the only movie to uh, surpass my hype for Avatar. Yeah. The only yeah. one. Yeah. Well, not just Avatar 4. Avatar 2, 3, and 4. Yeah. Um, back, to, back to Cable, though. People have come out, like, plenty of people have come out as, like, kind of Cable apologists of just, like, it's not his fault. It's, you know, it's DC's fault. I'm not that. Honestly, he's bad. I, I think, yeah, I think that it's truly, like, him and the part. It's generally bad. Like, he does not do a good job, and obviously everything else is also bad. Um, so I think that, I mean, Superman out of anyone in any of those movies is the biggest train wreck character. Uh, I don't care if he's gone. I don't care who they bring in. Uh, I don't... I don't. Well, there's some rumors. Yeah. Michael I, B. Jordan. Yeah, uh... I just don't, I think it's kind of an untouchable thing. Like, it would be a really big move that's a good move for Jordan because it's like a big statement, you know, to have a black Superman. Other than that, I don't see why an actor would want to even touch it. Yeah, I mean, I can't. It's kind of a cursed role. Yeah, it it really is. Like, Brendan Ruth? 
Where are you, bud? Yeah. You, like, it's just, it's not going to work out. The, uh, I, I also was kind of on the side of um, Henry Cable sucks. And then he did kind of win me over a little bit in Mission Impossible Fallout. But, I mean, that could also just be credit yeah. to Christopher McQuarrie. Exactly. And, like, when a good, a good director can, like, salvage a bad performance and turn it into something good. Well, yeah, some actors are kind of uh, golden retrievers where they're like, oh, sit, okay, yeah, I can definitely do that, but, yeah. you know... Like, he's genuinely really, really good in Fallout, but that's not to say that he is necessarily a good actor, because for the most part, any other thing that I've seen him in, he has not impressed me whatsoever. Yeah, he's I, there because he looks like Superman. Yeah, just, I'm, like, even seeing Affleck in, uh, in Justice League, it was like, he's, he's definitely not doing great, and he's phoning it in, but he still had better takes than, than Cable did, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah, even well, when he's, like, even when he's drunk as fuck and yeah. not even yeah. crying. Yeah. Well, I will say, one bit of good news that we are getting out of this whole DC debacle is... We're starting to get our first look at Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. Yeah, it turns as out... As Arthur. Well, he, he looks like Dario Argento, if you guys know who Dario Argento looks like, with his long hair and everything. Yeah. He doesn't look like... They, uh... Obviously, Zack Snyder is a big listener of Bottom Mike. They obviously listened to our podcast last week. Mm-hmm. I famously... Decided to bring him in. I famously, organically, just suggested... I don't know what Joaquin Phoenix was the Joker, and here we are. Now they're shooting the movie. They literally, one week later, they flew out to Joaquin and took a picture of him, and here we are. True details: the Zack Snyder we bought a bike. Yeah. Are you gonna get EP credit on this film? Yeah, I'm, I'm pushing for it. Um, but then I was like, I don't think I want it. I think I'm gonna be uncredited. Um, yeah, because what if it's bad? We don't want our, our, our podcast tainted. Exactly. We don't need we bought a mic to cross over with DC. I'm working on a thing with Marvel. Here's, here's my pitch with Marvel. Replace uh, replace Iron Man and you bring in Joaquin Phoenix to play to Iron play Also, Phoenix. replace yeah, Benedict himself. Cumberbatch while you're at it yeah. so he can play both those roles. Yeah, I don't give a shit about Doctor Strange. Yeah, just put Joaquin in there. Just have like Joaquin playing every role with just like a Halloween mask of every superhero on it. Yeah. Cut around Better it. yet, just have Joaquin in a full Green Man suit, mm-hmm. like even cover his face, yeah. and then just digitally like replace him with any yeah. character. I mean, like I said last week, he's amazing. He's he's one of our. I think he's one of our top five actors we have working today, and he's, he may be the best actually. Yeah, well, and I I think he's at least the best villainous actor we have mm-hmm. where he's, he, you know, he kind of took the Philip Seymour Hoffman uh, the reins where like he's not attractive so like but he's an incredible actor yeah here's here's a here's a low-key Joker pick that I just thought of um, Fat Damon oh Todd Phil or not Todd, uh, Todd god damn it Jesse Plemons Jesse Plemons yeah. yeah what do you think about that uh, yeah I mean he he could do it he would need to be a little bit more expressive, a little bit more uh, yeah, a little bit less louder. Matt Damon, a little bit more Matt Damon. Well, a little bit more Meth Damon. Meth yeah. Damon, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think the, the the physicality of it is the issue. I think the issue is more like he he's not he he would be a very kind of quiet Joker. Yeah, yeah. Which the Joker really isn't. I mean, that quiet. maybe he could have been. And the Joaquin Phoenix role in this movie, where it's like pre-Joker, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe, but... Before the makeup. Um, yeah, but anyway, Joaquin's the right choice. Uh, he made the wrong choice, though, by making that choice yeah. in that movie, so... You know, Matt Reeves is still making his own Batman movie. Like, that's still in production, and it's probably going to be 
its own thing too. Like it probably won't be even related to this Joaquin movie, which is what they should just do. They should just go back to making individual movies and not try to merge everything together because it's clearly not working. I mean, yeah, they they really should just do that, and also they should find somebody else besides Ben Affleck oh. to play Batman. Oh, I'm sure they will. So, I I thought of the we did this whole recast last week, and then I thought of the perfect Batman. Oscar Isaac. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, I yeah. thought of that too. Suave as fuck. Uh, you know, physical, strong dude, but also like you kind of like him. I just don't know if I would... He would be a good Batman. I just don't know if he would be a good Bruce Wayne. I could see Bruce Wayne more than Batman. Really? Actually, because he has that... Like, I feel like... An underrated part of Bruce Wayne is the jawline. Mm-hmm. Like you have to have a very yeah. defined. He jaw does line. have the jaw. Oscar Isaac, Jake Gyllenhaal. Those are kind of guys that have a defined jaw. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I think that's it for the news. Let's get to what we've been watching. Yeah. I uh, I forgot that I watched something until just now. So. <laughs> What'd you um, watch? I've been, well, I've been doing an early Always Sunny recap, but there's really nothing else to say about that show. You know the deal. Um, I watched uh, Rounders. Ooh. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is a it's a poker movie, uh, kind of an under the radar one, but uh, Ed Norton. Yeah, the the rewatchables pod did an episode Ooh. about it, and I usually really like their selection. Um, yeah, so this is a movie that has prime young Damon starring. It has prime like kind of. Entering middle age, Ed Norton. Was this before uh, Goodwill Hunting? It's no, it's after. Right after. Yeah, but it's late '90s, so he okay. still has that exact same charm. It's a very similar role, um, and it just kind of flew under the radar because it's not Goodwill Hunting is a better movie, and then uh, Fight Club is better for Ed Norton. Mm-hmm. So like, it's just kind of like both of their like second. Yeah, no one best. remembers this one really. Yeah, um, and like the rewatchable said, it's one of it's like a classic rewatchable because it ended up a few years later having a cable run where like it got a lot more notoriety, even though at the time critics weren't crazy about it, audiences weren't. Crazy so about what it. what kind of character does do they each play? Uh, so uh, Damon is a you know squeaky clean uh, law school student who is also a poker. Uh, genius. Okay. And he is he's kind of an addict, like he can't stop. I mean if you're good at poker, odds are you so are do you, semi-addicted. Do you think do you think George Clooney saw this movie when he was thinking of Ocean's Eleven and he was like that guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. This was kind of his tryout? Or like they saw this movie before they made the movie Twenty One. If you guys remember Twenty One. Oh no. I, I saw Space Space. I saw Rounders like a long time ago. It's, like, it's a younger. good late 90s Damon is untouchable. Yeah. Dude. He's he's like Leo in late 90s where his face is just so he's an amazing actor. Like he, and he's capable of playing these roles where like you really kind of shouldn't like him but you just you just like the guy. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, he's this he's a law school student but he really loves poker. He lost all his money. He has a girlfriend who's also a law student. Uh and she's like you got to quit poker. Then his buddy Ed Norton gets out of jail. Um, and Ed Norton's like this really skeevy like addict who he's always been friends with, and uh, you know he sucks Damon back in, and it's just about them like getting back into this world and getting you know uh, kind of in like a lot of trouble. Um, it's it's not a great movie. Like like it's I said, fun. yeah, like I like the romance is like dead flat. It sucks. Um, but I feel like if you combine this with Goodwill Hunting, you would have almost a perfect movie. Uh, and that's because the the stuff of Goodwill Hunting that I didn't care about was when he was like doing the academic shit and he was like you know writing on a chalkboard yeah. really fast. It's like we don't know what he's actually doing, 
so we're not super interested. So just replace that with poker. Kind of, yeah. Like, watching poker, like, I know how to play poker, so I, I was following mostly. But I feel like even if you don't, poker is a much more cinematic game than just writing on a chalkboard and oh, being, yeah. being a smart guy in school. John Malkovich is in this movie, isn't he? He, play, he plays this Russian villain. His name is KGB. <laughs> no, no. It is the most, his, his accent is the most over-the-top, like... The only reason it's good is because it's him, because otherwise I'd be like, this guy's awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, it's a pretty, it's not like, it's kind of predictable. Um, it, it has a lot of role players, like, doing, inc- like, John Turturro's in this, um, as, like, he plays, like, a, uh, a gambling guy who's just smart, and he's just, he's not going for home runs, he's just making a living off of gambling. Nice. Like, that's all he does. And there's this great conversation with him and Damon in, like, a, a Turkish bathhouse. It, it has a lot of really cool little scenes in it. Um, I, I get why it didn't blow up because there's nothing that's just like eye popping. But it it really is a movie that's just good to like. I think it's on Netflix actually. Okay. It might be. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But if it is, like, Looks like it's, it's on Stars. Like on there. Yeah, I, I think I watched it legally. But it's just a great like. Just put it on. It's not. It's not like like whoa. But it's just like this is a good movie. Like it's solid. Um, yeah, there's like there's just not even that much to just say about it. It's, it's directed by John Dahl. Yeah, John Dahl really is, well, hasn't done too. It's it's written by uh, Brian Koppelman and his writing partner, who who's lost me, but um, who now they make uh, HBO's Billions. Hey. Um, yeah, and they also they wrote Michael Clayton, which is apparently a very good movie. Yeah, I've I've been wanting to rewatch that recently because yeah. I remember that being really good, but I I saw it when I was young. Yeah. You know what? Uh, other movie John Dahl made, right? Um, Joyride. Oh no. Dude, oh. Paul Walker. I stand by Joyride. I stand by that as a fun thriller. Oh no. Oh, it's that movie. Yeah, that's that oh, movie. Oh shit. Yeah, that's that's like his most notable movie. Yeah, it's Buffalo Bill playing the, <laughs> playing the trucker. Oh, God. Dude, that movie is great. No, okay. Um, but yeah, this was a solid movie. I mean, I recommend it. If you, obviously, if you like poker, like this is like one of like the top three marquee poker movies. Um, and they mention it on the rewatchables. The, one of the best things about this movie is typically with poker movies, like with like 21 or something, the hands that they all get are hands you don't get. Like, it's you'll they'll be like panning around and everyone has like three aces somehow. No way. There's four aces in the deck. It's just <laughs> shit, shit like that where everyone is just always balling out. This is a movie where like it takes its time. Like most of the time, people do not have good hands because that's how poker works. Most of the time, you just have a shit hand and you're bluffing or you're just folding. Yeah, that's where that's where the poker part comes in. It's yeah. not in the cards. Yeah, it's in the the betting and the right. Yeah, um, another interesting uh, conversation to be had is about just the cinematic quality of poker in general because they discuss this on the podcast and it's very true. Uh, Poker was not on the map as a spectator sport until this decade because that's when they introduced the little camera like that's built into the table where you can see their cards. Because if you can't see their cards, it sucks. Yeah. It's not watchable. But now, it's always been on ESPN and when I was a kid I was like, I'm not going to watch but one night, like a couple years ago, the World Series of Poker was on the main final event, and it was live, and it was like as compelling as anything I've ever seen. Yeah, it's like it is really cinematic, yeah. and that's what makes movies, even something like Molly's Game, work is because it does have this cinematic quality yeah. to it. And poker is a fun game because of the psychology, 
G aspect of it. Like, yeah. Uh, there's an there's an inherent like suspenseful quality to yeah. it. And so it yeah, this main event, like I never would have thought it was compelling, but then I was watching and it was this this uh white guy who just plays by the book, he's like a genius, he knows everything, versus this one guy who's just kinda out of nowhere. Uh he's like an idiot, he's never done anything good, but his bluffing like he was playing so out there that the guy couldn't predict his moves and they ended up playing until six AM. <laughs> like it was like a twelve-hour game of poker, oh and this this like little random guy just kept bleeding this guy's money, and he ended up winning. And it was like the crazy just little by little. Yeah, and he won like five mil. He was mm. just like a poor guy who moved to Vegas to play poker. John Dahl has made a big living on TV. He's directed so much TV: Breaking Bad, um, Shameless. Homeland. Yeah, I mean, Dexter. TV, TV is a good uh, resting place for guys who like like him. Like he's made good movies, and then he probably made a couple stinkers. But like, it wasn't stinkers to the level of like, all right, you're out of the industry. It was just stinkers to the level of like, we're not going to give you a big movie property. But he proved that he can make a good action movie. And so, I mean, also maybe if it's a thing where even if it's a bad movie, but it's decently directed, they can bring somebody in because it's not like he's writing the script for it. Yeah. So if you can just shoot it competently. Yeah. So so TV enough. TV is kind of a win win for these guys because it's like, hey, do you want forty thousand to work for like a month on this one episode of TV? It's like, hell yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a month. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like if you. And then if it goes well, you come back for another episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, yeah, uh, so Hunter, we've all been wanting to. So, we, you we guys, gotta know. I know the fans out there are just like, guys, what's going on? You're giving us this episode a day later than normal. That's because I did a thing last night, guys. I went and saw Fall Out Boy, Bob oh, themselves, in the flesh, our dads. Were they more than you bargained for? Yeah. Um,. So, uh, yeah, what you saw here at the Amway Arena, um, Fall Out Boy, Machine Gun Kelly, oh, you went to, and <laughs> Machine Gun Kelly, you went and to Gym Amway? Class Heroes. Was that yeah. the first time you went to Amway? That's actually the first time I've ever been to a concert at Amway. Um, we actually Machine had... Machine Gun Kelly Hunter? <laughs> just wait, just wait. Okay, I have so many thoughts. Um, so... I'm out. I... So I saw... <laughs> Drew's walking away. Drew's out. Um... We had awesome seats that we got on StubHub. Um, use sponsor code WABAN for 10% off your next order. Uh, we were in the 11th row from the front on the floor. Like, you're in row K. Like, I, the F1 section. We were right there. K? We were so <laughs> close. I could see the sweat tripling off of Patrick Stump's face. Um, Yum. So it started with Gym Class Heroes. And Gym Class Heroes were genuinely, like, they were great. They put on an awesome, awesome show. And speaking of Mac Miller, they have a song called The Fighter, which I don't know if you guys know that song by Jim Classiers, but it's a really, really good song. Is it the one that is, usually it's featured by the One Republic guy? Yeah. Here comes yeah. the fight. Oh, okay. Yeah, that song. Okay. But uh, okay. they dedicated it to Mac Miller, like right before the song, and then just like, you could tell like, um, I'm blanking on the name, the singer for uh, Jim Classiers. Travis Boy. Boy. Yeah, he Such like... Whatever. He started getting like really emotional and like you could feel that. Like it honestly got me kind of choked up like sitting there listening to this song about like yeah. somebody coming see no, me. No, I'm, I'm telling you, man, like some people die and everyone's like, he was a great artist. This dude died and like it just turns out everyone yeah. liked him. Um, no, he, that was, overall they had an awesome set. And there's a little bit of a break and then Machine Gun Kelly came on. And 
So, Machine Gun Kelly, let me just say, I've never listened to his music before, but I know that he has a decently big following. So I was just he like, does. you know what? Maybe I've never given this guy a chance before. I hate his name, but you know, like maybe he'll win me over with this concert. Guys, it was horrible. He fucking sucked. I'm like, shocked. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> On the bright side, good side, he had a live band with him, and the drummer was incredible. The drummer was like just fucking whooping ass. Like in between songs, he would have sweet ass drum solos. Oh yeah. He was incredible. He also had his shirt off and had tattoos all over him. And I feel like at one point in the show, Machine Gun Kelly felt left out, so he took off his shirt. So now there's two people on stage with their shirts off with tattoos on them. Sick. And how many how many SWAT stickers were shared among? <laughs> oh, oh, so many. Um, it was kind of baffling because at one point, like Guy and I kept turning to each other, like this is bad, right? Like this <laughs> this is bad. But people around us were going crazy. They were screaming his lyrics. Oh, they were getting no. so into it. I just don't get it. Sorry, apologies to listeners of a band if you're a Machine Gun Kelly fan. Um, okay, but, uh, no apologies. Get out of my podcast. <laughs> get out of, just exit out of your app and delete it. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, Fuck you. that was really bad. The one of the best parts about it was, um, in the row in front of us, there was this, uh, Indian father who was there with his daughter, and he just looked so disappointed the whole time. He just sat there with his arms crossed, like, just sitting, he was like, just sitting down in his chair, like one of the only people in this front section, just like, why did I do this? I, why did I give my daughter tickets to this I, show? I know that you mean like Middle Eastern, but I'm picturing like a chief in full like Indian <laughs> chief. And he's like, like, like the, a Native American. Yeah, the commercial with the single deer, <laughs> that guy, like, what has become of his nation? So I was just like, I couldn't stop people watching while Machine Gallery was happening. There was a guy, there was a, a black guy, an African American man behind me, who had the most like, he just looked very confused the whole time. And then what was killing me is next man was his friend was this Asian dude with a twirly mustache who was sitting there. At one point, he would be like curling his mustache, but he looked so baffled at what was happening. And his mouth was literally like a gate the entire time the song was happening. Like, <laughs> you guys can't see it. It'll be on our YouTube. But he was twirling his mustache with his mouth open. And I was like sitting there trying to like pinpoint what made this bad and this gives me appreciation for like every other real hip-hop artist because the thing is with Machine Gun Kelly is he raps with the exact same cadences and flow throughout his entire song throughout the entire four minute long run there's no variation whatsoever it all just sounds the same this is something that people accuse Gambino of doing like early on in his days but like when you think of somebody like Kendrick Lamar or even Kanye who they can manipulate their voice and have more of a kinetic rhythm to it all there was just none of that it felt so flat all of his verses I've never heard hip hop that sounded so flat before I mean, I saw Fall Out Boy last year, and Black Bear was one of the openers, and that was not a great show, but I was craving for Black Bear by the end of Machine Gun Kelly. Um, one last it thing. sounds like Fall Out Boy is trying to hit the same demo so, as uh, 21 Pilots. No, Okay, so here's the thing, is whenever bands go on tours, the band themselves doesn't pick the people that they it's go the on label. tour. It's the label. It's... Machine Gun Kelly, like Gym Class Heroes, because the way that worked was uh, on the tour, it's a co-tour 
between Fall Out Boys the Headliner, Machine Gun Kelly, and then they have other bands that they bring along for certain tour dates. Gym Class Heroes were the band that Fall Out Boy chose. Which that Gym Class Heroes, Fall Out Boy, that that fits together. I mean, Patrick Stump has done two songs with Jim Class Heroes. Yeah, they're probably friends. But you out. can tell that it is something where the record label is like, we're going to get some 21 Pilot type heads in here that'll like really be into this show. At one point, uh, it was like one of the last songs. Um, it started as a cover of Say It Ain't So by Weezer. And he was like sitting there singing, and it was bad. And I was like, oh my God, he's about to fucking butcher Say It Ain't So. And then he turned Say It Ain't So into his own rap song. And I was craving the days when it was just <laughs> it was just a bad cover that I had to listen to. So that was bad. But basically, so does he have does he have a backing band or anything? No, yeah, that's what I was saying. Was his band behind oh, okay, him was okay. actually great. Okay, like they okay. were awesome. I just wish I wish that I could have just heard instrumentals of them instead of him on top. But he doesn't play an instrument. He like picked up a guitar for a couple of songs, but, but it didn't. was definitely like he knew how to play power chords and that was oh. it. But he wanted to be shirtless holding a guitar for all the ladies out there. Sick. Um, Kill me. So this actually like lowered my expectations like to below the floor. And then Fall Out Boy came out, and they were fucking awesome. Like this is yeah, I, this is the third baby. time I've seen Fall Out Boy, and I think this was the best set yet that I've seen of them. Um, or I should say the best show yet. My favorite set that they played was actually the first time we saw them, just because they played a lot more yeah, older music because they had less new shit to play. Yeah, but. Um, their actual concert this time was fucking awesome. Like, it was such a great show. They played some, like, a good mix of old stuff and new stuff. At one point, they played Thriller, which is one of my favorite Fall Out Boy songs. Yeah, they and actually came out there with that's, that. And that's something that, like, if you were telling someone, they'd be like, shut up. But they yeah. actually probably have, like, the best cover of Thriller out there. What? No, no, what are you talking about? No, you're talking about Beat It. Beat no, it. I'm talking yeah. earlier the first song off of the Fetty on High featuring Jay-Z. Yeah. And they had the Jay-Z track come in and everything. Oh, they had the track? They yeah. Didn't, they didn't bring out Machine Gun Kelly to rap? <laughs> um, Damn. But they actually, they opened up the show with Disloyal Order of Water Buffaloes, which is like a fucking deep cut. That's like the first song off of Foley Ado. It's a really great song. Um... And also very timely for uh, the Mac Miller death and everything, because one of the main verses in the song is detox, just a retox. And it's like, it, it's it's a great, great song about just like, the main chorus is basically just like, nobody wants to hear you sing about tragedy when you're just like a successful white dude, but still having like all these depression and everything else. Um, yeah, no, they, they had an awesome, awesome show. They played some... A decent mix of old and new stuff. It was this is the same tour that I saw last year. Uh, so they had a second stage that they actually lifted up into the sky with the drums and everything, and they did a really sweet drum solo. Andy did fucking killed it, like playing over different hip hop tracks. It almost kind of gave me vibes of uh, remember the uh, uh, Collision Course Lincoln Park Jay Z album. Almost some kind of stuff yeah. like that. When I, was in, style when I was about like 10 or 11, that was the best thing that ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Bar, yeah, no. Bar none. <laughs> um, one thing I will say, though, is because I know you guys are kind of out of the loop on Fall Out Boy. Um, That's on they, purpose. <laughs> they released uh, an EP about a month, two months ago, um, that was made specially because they were playing a Chicago song, a uh, Chicago show. And it's three songs, I think, but... 
it sounds like it could be off of like their first two albums. Oh, like good. it they uh the main song that's on their album, which I fucking love, is a song called Lake Effect Kid. That is a fantastic song. And it really it could fit in on like it almost sounds like earlier than Fendi on High, like from Under the Courtship. It could be like really early Fallout Boy. And it is just a great, great song. So I definitely I recommend that you guys check out Lake Effect Kid. Are they aren't they doing like a lot of kind of EDM influence music these days? Not really. I mean, Electronic I feel like it got, it got kind of overblown on their newest album because the first single that came out is Young and Menace, which does have like a like Diplo breakdown in it that is not great. But for the most part, it is kind of still. I, see, the thing is, is a lot of people shit on bands whenever they try to reinvent themselves to stay relevant, and I do understand that. I mean, when you grow up and this is your favorite band, and then they change something drastically about themselves, your initial reaction is to turn away from it. But at the same time, as an artist, like I understand you don't want to just pump out the same music album after album after album. You have to find a way to constantly reinvent yourself, because... More than anything, you're playing the same songs every night. If music's gonna sound stale to you, then it doesn't really matter about what the fans want. It comes down to you're still a human being that wants to change themselves and update themselves. And also, I I respect the hustle. Like it's this is a living for those guys. Yeah. And so if a producer comes and they're like, here's this, you know, here's this one song that like you have to do for the album, and it's gonna be a huge single, and then for the rest of it, you can kind of be have some authenticity involved. I don't. I mean, I don't do that. Like, I would sell out in a second. They're yeah. getting so much money. Like, it, mu- the music like industry is a never-ending hustle. And there are articles about how, like, Fall Out Boy never thought that they were going to be this big. And to stay afloat, like, for this long, especially as a band, like, bands are, all, like, dying. Yeah. It's hard. Like, I'm not, I don't like their new stuff, and I'm not going to listen to it, probably, except for the one song you recommended, like, the EP. Yeah. But I respect the fact that they want to stick around and still be something, as opposed to just being like, hey, you know, we're out. Just play the hits, and then... Yeah, it's it. it's respectable. Um, and, uh, yeah, essentially them and Maroon 5 are the only two left from, yeah. from like... From a, that generation. Yeah. Damn, I mean, I do love you. that they still play, like... They still play a lot of stuff off like their first album. Like, they still play Grand Theft Auto in every show. Oh, yeah. And their closer is Saturday, which is like, uh, like that's like the big, big fan favorite of the song. And it's an incredible thing to close the album, to close the show on, not something like Dance Dance or something like that, but play like actually a true fan favorite. Yeah. I, I really respect that. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah. Cool. So that was uh, Fobs. Those are my dad's. Fobs. Um, and then uh, one more thing. So... This past week, um, I had to take an unfortunate trip to Houston. Um, for It wasn't because of going to Houston. It was because of uh, there was a death in the family. No so offense to Houston. Yeah. Um, and I was stuck in the, uh, in the hotel for a bit at nighttime, and we actually had cable. So I, you know, I watched, watched the new episode of Always Sunny, which we'll kind of save that for next week. But another thing I watched um, was... The series or the season premiere of American Horror Story, American Horror Story Apocalypse, mm-hmm. I should say. How was um, that? I'm trying to stay optimistic. It's very hard though. This is season first, eight. Yeah, 
I will say, um, the show, the episode got better as it went along. The first 15 minutes of it were like some of the most laugh out loud shit that I've ever seen in my life. Oh yeah, the show's so, bad. So, the show has been bad. Well, okay, so the thing is, what gave me a little bit of hope for this season was they're bringing back certain stories from Murder House, which is the first season, which I stand by. That is a great season. Oh, like, yeah. I really love that season. And Coven, which is their third season, which is also a really, really good season. Um, so I kind of was trying to stay cautiously optimistic for this, but um, basically what's happening is there is... A nuclear apocalypse is happening. Um, and the first 15 minutes of it, it tried to be like, I don't know, like lost or something, where it's trying to flash around to all these different characters and they're like looking at the TV screens, they're like, the bombs will hit us within the next hour. I'm not gonna make it home in time to see my kids. If you're watching this, honey, just know daddy loves you, cuts to off air. It's like, oh my god. Jeez. So that was bad. Um, and then we get set up with our. Our main characters that we're going to be following on this thing, it's a biracial love interest. So they're really woke. Ryan Murphy, dude. Um, Wokest guy on TV. Um, There's this guy. The worst part about this was these, like, feds people, like, show up with, like, armor. And they show up to this kid who's, like, 16, 17. Show up to his house there and just like, you're coming with me to the government. We're going to take you somewhere. You're coming with me to the government? Yeah. Like, we're taking you away from your family even though they're all about to fucking die. And he's just like, no, why are you taking me with you? He's just like, because you did a you did a DNA search online and it tested that you were a, you were a candidate, that you had a, all these good, valuable traits. He basically did like 23andMe and he got selected because of his good genes to survive the apocalypse. Uh, we're gonna later. We're gonna talk about being selected as a true warrior. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was... And that's one of the reasons why I want to bring this up with some similarities with uh, a <laughs> movie that we're gonna talk about later. But um, so that was really bad. Um, the episode, like I said, does get better. They're brought into this. Uh, it's very, like, I will give it to American Horror Story. Usually their set designs are pretty on point. Like, they just look really cool. And they're brought into this, like, safe house thing, which looks like it's a bunker, but underneath is, like, the interior of, like, a huge mansion. So it Underground. Does, it, yeah, it looks really cool. And there's this really creepy aesthetic where they just have a radio playing, and it plays the same song on a loop like over and over and over again. And there's one point where after like two weeks pass, they change the song and everybody's like, oh my God, we're about to be saved. And it starts playing, there has to be a morning after. And they're like, oh my God, we're about to be saved. And it cuts to eight months later and it's still playing the same song on a loop. Um, Damn. It's implied that at one point they run out of food uh, because they're just given in portions like little like white cube that's just full of like nutrients and minerals and it's just like you just have one of these for the day, day yeah. that's all that you have and then it's implied that they have to like kill a human and eat human meat this all happens in one in episode in one episode yeah it's like a shock full episode um, so I've, I have a question about this so if they're incorporating other seasons into the same story how are they it, how are they dealing with the fact that it's the same actors for different characters okay so it hasn't been fully revealed yet because at the very, very end of the episode, we have, um, I'm blanking on the actor's name, the main, the dad from Murder House. Oh, um, uh, Dylan McDermott. Dylan, yeah, Dylan McDermott. And or is very, it Dermot Malerny? Yeah. 
Um, at the very end of the episode, he shows up like in a hood and like takes off his mask and it's him. So it hasn't really been set up what exactly how everything's going to work. Evan Peters is already in the house. It's just like this dude who happened to tackle new character. this thing. Yeah, he's already okay. a new character. Oh man, this show. It's it's gonna be go down. It's gonna be known for its innovation because it's it's easy to take for granted now because we have so much content. But mm-hmm. when it first started, the notion of horror TV being on cable was like what? Like mm-hmm. it was pretty. It was yeah. very innovative. It's provocative too with its like advertising, yeah. the marketing. Yeah, yeah, it's great advertising. FX is obviously a very innovative network. Yeah. Um, but at this point, this show is for. Uh, people who not ironically like horoscopes. So <laughs> that's insulting to everyone. Um, it's just true. It's like the the Venn diagram is a circle for that of people who are like, I'm actually being a bitch today because Mercury. Like you know what I mean? Mercury's and uh, yeah, and also Evan Peters is bay. Like it's the same people. I, I swear to God. So my thing with American Horror Story, I fell off of it after really because this is one of those shows that I think that. It was either season four or season five. Like, I still tried to... Freak show. Start it. Freak show killed it for me. Freak show was so bad that it was... I fell off earlier than that. I mean, I watched a little bit of Coven and Asylum, but the thing is with this show is usually the first episode's bad. All of them are like ten episode seasons. First episode is usually pretty rough. It's pretty shaky. They're trying to cram everything set up into one episode. And then, like, episodes two through five are genuinely, are generally pretty good. Like, it starts to kind of set up really well. And then around episode six, episode seven, they throw a major twist in there. Like, the worst example is in the Asylum season, which already is cool enough. There's a, like, former Nazi doctor who's, like, performing experiments on uh, mental asylum patients. Like, that's interesting enough. And then they bring in this major twist that aliens are actually involved, and it just fucking loses me. <laughs> Every time it loses me, I think the only time when it actually worked was in Murder House, when it turned out that the girl was actually dead. Like, mm-hmm. it pulled a sixth sense on yeah. in a really cool way. Yeah. Wherever she just stumbles and finds her own body, that was really cool. I mean, I, I feel like that is still the best season. Oh, yeah, I mean, no, without a doubt. No matter doubt. how many crazy well, things they try to throw at it. I mean, obviously, at this point, Ryan Murphy is no longer involved with the show. Oh, he's, yeah. yeah, he's on to other it's, things. He's yeah. making 911. He's still making buku bucks from the show, like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, but he has so much other shit going on that is, is bigger than this, and he has a new, like, massive deal with Netflix. Like, he's doing other shit, so whoever's in charge now is just like, it's a cash cow show. Twitter, the the night of like the show, every time it's on, all of the leading hashtags. Oh yeah, the show. no, I actually got on Twitter because I was watching it live, which I never really do with TV shows, but just since I had cable in the hotel room, I was actually like watching it live on Twitter, and it was fucking blowing up. Everybody yeah. was talking about it. It just but... it strikes me as a show that is more about the cool way that it looks at this mm-hmm. point, yeah. rather than, like, what's happening. No, because the story generally sucks. I will give it, I mean, like like I said, the set design, there's a cool costume choice where, like, they're in this uh, bunker thing, but um, there's still, like, classes in there. Like, people are wearing purple, purple dresses, purple shirts are, like, the high society. And then there's the grays, which are people wearing gray who are, like, brought in there just, like, fucking clean and cook and shit like that. And, like, 
The costume design and set design, that all looks really cool. Whoever's behind all that stuff, bravo to them. But it's just the story is just, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. I probably won't keep and, up on the show. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's there's good things going on with that show always, and it is usually on the visual side of things. And that's, you know, you can't take that away. It's a great-looking show. Uh, the cinematography is always good. So I'm looking at the ratings for the seasons, and usually for each new season, the, the ratings for the first episode are huge. Like, we're talking, like, five to six million viewers and then they just drop off like dramatically from there That's, like down yeah. to like two 1.8 mil um i think it's because there are a lot of people kind of like us who are like man they could maybe like, this maybe this is the year yeah exactly Cause the thing is the show, has, yeah. the show has a lot of potential like the potential is there for this to be one of the best shows on tv if it was better written if they didn't try and do too much i think when this show works is whenever it keeps things simple because sometimes that's what's the most unsettling, the most scary things are the most simple things. And then whenever you try to overdo it and throw too many things at you at once, then it just becomes unbelievable and stupid. So it looks like the highest rated premiere was for Freak Show season four with 6.13 million viewers for the premiere. Looks like that's the high. And this new one, um, Apocalypse, uh, opened with 3.8 million, which is right around the same as the very first season. Yeah. People um, are kind of falling off on the show at this point. Yeah, it, it kind of peaked around there, and then it started to kind of decline. Colt last year had a 3.9 million um, hmm. premiere. Okay, well, uh, I guess don't watch it is what you're saying. I mean, you know, if you like American Horror yeah, Story, then you'll fan. like it. That's, yeah. that's kind of my thing. It, this, this first episode isn't going to sell you on the show. That's true. Okay. I, I honestly might just, like, if I just bored as shit and want to watch something to kind of anger me, then I might put this on just to see where it goes. Um, my girlfriend really likes the show. Does she watch all the seasons? Problems. She kind of is like me, where she fell off around Freak yeah. Show, because Freak Show, they made the decision to have musical numbers every episode, which was a bad choice. That did not work. I mean, on the, the upside of this show is that you can totally fall off and then just pick right up the next yeah, season the next with season. no pressure. And that's another thing that's really innovative about the show, is this did this before, like, True Detective, before shows like that, that'll take... Uh, um, cast anthology. members, members, and then turn it into like an anthology yeah. series. And, and actually, I don't want to shit on the show too hard because there are so many shows out there that bring nothing to the table. That it, this brings something. It's not something that I. And I mean, there is like. good performances in here too. Yeah, like Evan, this launched Evan Peters' career, and he's a good actor. Yeah, like there, there's something going on. So I don't want to be a total dick, but not for me. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how the show is. It's, yeah. it's not really for me. Uh, we'll see what happens, where the season goes. But, yeah, if you weren't a fan before, this isn't going to make you a fan. Okay, uh, let's, let's take a little break. All right, we'll take a break, and then when we get back, we're talking... The... The Predator. Arnold Schwarzenegger's The Predator. All right, not Predator. Not Predator. Not Predator. The Bass Hunter? Bass Fisherman? This is a song. We'll be right back. Make your way, I'm on my ground Keep some baggage 
jeans on me. Keep a Billy Jean on me. Got that new release on me. Smelling like a queen too. Cucumber lemonade. I need something fresh today. Pop a mix and to fade. I cannot let the charade. Strawberry smell your face. Baby, give me something sweet. We don't got a thing to scream. I'll comfortably say that our president is a fucking piece of shit, so... I'll comfortably <laughs> say that we would just be better if we lived in a socialist society. Where we don't choose any of our own possessions? They're assigned to us? Okay. I want all my comedy. I want all my followers. Yo, remake the presidency. <laughs> Wait, did you guys hear that, um... Armando in a in a may be producing a Trump movie based on a tweet. That makes sense. Did you guys hear about this? What's the tweet? He he tweeted that um we should uh put Trump in like a uh, Truman Show esque situation where he's still he's like in a fake White House yeah. with like actors and there's cameras everywhere, so he thinks that like he's still president, but it's oh, really yeah. just a TV show. <laughs> That's that's really cool. I like that. I want. I'm yeah. There's there's room for more content in the vein of Truman Show. It's just that Truman Show did it so good. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. You can't just make like anything would just be labeled show. like a worse version. Yeah, of that. but I mean, there's a way. People have found a way to do decent knockoff versions of like Groundhog Day before. Like that's what Happy Death Day was. Was it was Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah, it, it was Edge of Tomorrow or. Um, Happy Death Day, or like their own little twists on Groundhog Day. So I could see, but I mean, also Groundhog Day is what, like 20 years old at this point? So I could see. Yeah, maybe, like probably like 30 uh, at this point. Well, there have yeah, also, I guess that's like 80s. There have also been reality shows where there was one where like it was a dating show and everyone was an actor except for one guy. And I forget the premise. It was like. It was basically, it was a bunch of... Like he, a reverse Nathan for I you? Think, I think it was a gay dating show and all of the actors were straight. And he was actually gay, and he had to figure something out. the The gist of it was, though, that it was deemed too cruel after one season. Mm -hmm. So they, because like doing an actual Truman Show is pretty fucked up. The closest yeah. that we come is Nathan for you, which is not that fucked up. It's kind of fucked up, though. Kind of fucked up. Yeah. Um, we're back by the way. Cool. Yeah, we the um, we don't really. This is kind of a sad episode. We don't have that much to talk about. Um, but the Emmys are tonight. So we'll bring that to you, thoughts about yeah, that to you we next week. We didn't even talk about the Creative Arts Emmys, really. Oh, yeah, we'll we'll say that. We'll we'll do that because we have a really good yeah. movie to talk about. If you if you can't tell, we're really ex we cannot wait to get to our review segment. <laughs> yeah, we're, we've been um, <laughs> for a literal hour. Uh, so we yeah we watched. I talked about Fall Out Boy and American Horror Story for way longer than I. Yeah, yes, Hunter, please, is there anything else about Machine Gun Kelly? <laughs> I just, I don't want to talk Okay, so, yeah, we watched Shane Black's uh, The Predator, mm -hmm. the third installment in the Predator franchise. It's more like the fifth or sixth, Yeah, I mean, count. if you're including AVP, yeah. which isn't really part of yeah. the franchise. Um, right. So what is your guys' relationship with the, the prequels? You know... I don't really care too much for them. I remember watching the first one on cable and liking it because it was just like a bunch of dudes in a jungle being like fucked up by a monster. Yeah, no, I mean, it's very much, it's very, very Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Get through like, the I'd chopper! Say, I'd still say that it's like, 
kind of in the middle of the Arnold Schwarzenegger filmography. I still put Commando as the best Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. I don't know if you guys have ever seen Commando. Commando is fucking awesome. That movie is so goddamn over the top. It's basically like I gotta revisit the rock that movie before the rock. It's hilarious and like it, it doesn't take itself you know, seriously at all. Which I'm, is what works I'm all here for Kindergarten Cop, mm-hmm. and I'm all here for Jingle All the Way. Here for T three. Oh yeah, yeah. Two is the best. Yeah, T um, two. Yeah. So Total Recall, True Lies. I actually, Total Recall, yeah. I actually, when I was a little kid, I was I was super sheltered with like TV and stuff, and I had one friend who just wasn't. And this was the first R-rated movie I ever saw was Predator One, and I thought it was <coughs> bad fucking ass. I saw it. it is. I was. Yeah. I mean, I was five when I saw it. It's I, such a simple it, movie. Yeah, I remember it vividly because it was. It, it just took its time. It was just guys in the fucking woods just trying to live. Uh, and you got character and, work. Yeah, I don't know about the There's solid character. So I will, but I will say though that like the thing that had me cautiously optimistic about this movie is I don't know if you guys have seen the Predator recently. I saw it a few years ago, but it hasn't aged the best. So it seemed like this was a decent idea for it to have a remake. Well, like usually I'm always against remakes and just kind of leaving stuff the way it is, but. This hasn't a lot of the action, a lot of like the dialogue and stuff hasn't really aged that great. So that's why it was like they could have a remake and do their own twist, yeah. on, especially bringing in somebody's town. And black and you could cool. probably you could probably make the same point even stronger about the sequel, the uh, Predator Two, yeah. which tried to deal with like gang violence and race relations right. and try to like oh. make that fit we'll, that into like a predator movie no, yeah. we'll talk about the, the fake wokeness of this whole movie <laughs> but uh, basically Shane Black if, if you're not familiar is a very good action director and writer he writes and directs he did the last action hero which is in the vein of what you were talking about Hunter it's a very self-aware a self-aware funny action movie uh, with Schwarzenegger uh, he did uh, he brought back the Iron Man franchise after Iron Man 2. Well, he didn't direct The Last Action Hero. He really? just wrote it. Well, yeah. uh, his directorial debut was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, he did that. He did The Nice Guys, which is... Uh, Probably his best film. It's a, Yeah, it's one of those movies that film people are like, bro, you gotta watch it. But no one really watched it. Um, and it's a it's a really good movie. It's just like a... It's a kind of an old school buddy cop comedy action with Gosling and uh, Gerard Butler... And it's it's a good movie. Uh, no, it's a uh, Russell Crowe. It's, it's the same thing. Don't correct me. <laughs> it's the same guy. I, my whole life, I've been. Yeah, with that. I think the nice guys is uh, like prime Shane Black. Yeah. Because it has that dark comedy, the violence of something like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but then all of like the light humor and uh, kind of groundedness of something like Iron Man Three. Yeah, and if. If you're not sold on uh, Gosling as like a dramatic guy, because you're like this guy's a little goofy looking, just he's so so funny in mm-hmm. the nice guys. I wasn't expecting that from him. Yeah, he's, he's like, like a bumbling idiot in that a, movie. He's a comedic character, so that's a good movie. So we're going into this. We're thinking. I'm thinking this is going to be talented director, yeah. solid uh, yeah, repertoire. I'm thinking it's going to be self-aware. It's going to be smartly written. It's going to have really good visuals, really great sequences, good violence, good CG. It kind of failed me on all of those in, in different ways. It's not like every single thing about this movie was bad, but I thought it was not a good movie. I thought this movie was an excruciating experience to endure. <laughs> if we weren't doing this podcast, I would have walked out of the theater. Me too. Because it was... this it was bad. The Predator 
is by far the worst movie I've seen this year. It's worse than A Wrinkle in Time. Holy this shit. This movie was fucking I can't say that. horrible. It's on that, it's around that level, though. It's it was so okay. bad. I, I completely agree. Because I think this movie sucks. A Wrinkle in Time at least was so out there and weird that you kind of couldn't look away. You know, like you kind of were so intrigued by how fucking bonkers that movie was. This movie, I just didn't fucking care. Yeah. I, there was no uh, time devoted to setting up anything with the story or the characters that as the events of the movie played out, I was like, I genuinely do not it's, give a shit about anything yeah. that's happening. Yeah, so I I agree with you, Ernest. I think this movie fucking sucked. I think that this and Deadpool 2 were two movies where I feel like my IQ actually dropped as the screen time was going on. Yeah. Like, I feel like I got dumber by watching this movie and by letting it entertain me. Um, I will say, there was a couple of Shane Blackism moments, which I enjoyed. Uh, the Some scene of that- in the motel was, I think, the best scene of the entire movie. No. Uh, I disagree. I like that was the only scene that that and maybe like the RV scene. Anything that didn't actually involve the predator that was just the characters, the core characters talking. Aside from uh, Boyd Hallbrook, who played Quinn, um, who's supposed who, to be like our main character in the film. And he sucks. He sucks. His character sucks. Yeah. He's not a good actor. I, I actually and, didn't think. He was that bad. I really don't. I think that the character, every, I don't think there was one good character in this movie. They all were horrible. And every actor is like overacting. The humor in this movie is really cringy too. It's all about just like, yeah man dude, like PTSD is so like funny. It's It's so like crazy whenever you have like a fucking twitch and you have uh, Tourette's. Yeah, here's my overarching theory here. I think this is an old script. I don't, this was not written recently. Like there's everything about this movie screams 07 or earlier. Oh, like a decade-old script yeah. that was never Yeah, and they kind touched. of fixed it up a little bit to make it newer, but overall, this is just an old movie. Like, it's stale. Everything about this, it's... There's even a line in there where they're talking about the, the Predators are, uh, you know, they're coming to Earth. Uh, they were here in 87, 97, and now they're coming more frequently. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, no, but it's 2018, so they couldn't say that. I think that that's an old line, and yeah. this was meant to be released in 07 okay. or earlier. Because this movie makes sense in 2007. In the Transformers era, this movie makes a lot of sense. And if I was 11, I would like it because of that. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And just, I think everything politically, uh, the stock characters they use, it's all, it's all dated. There's no, you cannot convince me this is a new script. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in 2010, they released the Predator movie, Predators, with Adrian Brody. I didn't even know that. Honestly. Yeah, but yeah. it didn't really do that well. But it got better reviews than what this is getting. Yeah. Um, that movie, it, it did. I just you know, solid. I think because Shane Black is he's been involved with like a lot of action movies in like the height of them in the eighties. I think he just had yeah. sitting around. He was he was like a go to script guy in the late nineties, yeah. early two thousands. I, I could I could swear he just had to sit because here's here's one thing about this movie. This movie is not woke. This movie is two thousand seven woke. Mm-hmm. Everything about it. Uh, I, I can go it through. It seems very disingenuous. I, I have a yeah. I have a list of the two thousand seven wokeness of this movie. Uh, autism is okay as long as you're a genius child. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, it, it's just that autism is the next step. In the <laughs> yeah. And just that character in general is like early two thousand. God, like dude, the, Jacob the Tremblay. Son. Jacob Tremblay is incredible in Room. Like he is so goddamn good in that movie. Okay. So so let's 
I just let's just get into spoilers because yeah, we don't need the yeah. yeah we're just gonna spoil this the hell out of this sucks. movie. Don't go see this movie. Don't go see this yeah. movie. We made a we terrible should, mistake. I told you guys that we should have seen White Boy Rick, which I'm sure wasn't that good either, but it had to be better. Yeah, than this. It, it was. Yeah. So let me let me keep getting through this list. I'll spoil. Okay. Of all the 2007 wokeness, uh, mental illness is okay, but it's also a funny thing. Like to to have Tourette's and shout cunt is hilarious. That's that's prime last decade. <laughs> That was still funny. Um, this whole ragtag crew of guys is just so dated to me. Like, they all have a mental illness, and it's actually, they're good people. But also, they're funny because they're mentally ill. Like, also, they're all basically the same guy, but with, like, different tick. Yeah. Each one has their own, like, yeah. tick. Keegan-Michael Key, wasted in yeah. this movie. Totally wasted. I like the guy. The only character who I actually, like, was decent to me that was part of that crew was Gervonta Rhodes. From Moonlight, yeah. Like, I actually liked him, but it was more so just because he's a really good actor and he carried a shit character with him, like, his chain-smoking cigarettes and everything. Oh, yeah, I liked that. I liked him. He was good. I liked him. Another 2007 woke thing. Hey, women are scientists now. (laughs) You know? But they have to wear short sleeves. Yeah. Yeah, and they get they definitely do get naked in the contamination. I I saw I saw a girl do science. I saw a girl take clothes off. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, why, why is Olivia Munn still getting work? Honestly, I <laughs> honestly, I'm gonna say she's bad. She's bad. There was one scene where she was good, which is um, when she first uh, is introduced to the lab when the the lab is like lowered when the elevator room is like lowered into the lab, and she's like discovering the lab. I thought she was good there, but the acting that she's doing in that scene works in that scene but then she's doing that same acting throughout the rest of the movie mm-hmm. and you can't really have that same yeah. level of like holy shit whoa aliens throughout the entire really movie did. like when we first meet her on the university campus she's doing that same acting and it's like what are you what yeah. you're looking at a dog playing in the grass and um, you're like your face is perplexed yeah. here's here's the other theory I have about this movie that I'm sure is true is that their scenes did not make it that were integral to this movie yes yeah, basic setup yeah, of and, the characters and, and because of that there were reshoots and the editing is horrible and there's characters just jumping around to locations you know like what's happening here's the main thing that I thought was absurdly funny in this movie I was cracking up is the human characters in this are piecing together that there's a narrative going on with the predators that we're not seeing at all. Mm-hmm. We saw like a 30 yeah, the, seconds. The bigger predator. In the very beginning, we see 30 seconds of like, oh, this predator is running away from the others. We don't know why. We don't know what's going on. We find out that this is actually a woke predator and that humans are endangered because climate change. <laughs> and he is trying to actually. And he's actually he's preserving. To, yeah. Exactly. He's trying to do what we should do with the Earth, but he's doing it for us because we're endangered and we don't even know it. And so we're supposed to root for this predator, but we're left, we're not watching it, we're watching people talk about it. And they're figuring it out based on no evidence, too. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, and we have three different characters all verify that same thing. Like, they literally set up what exactly is happening. And then uh, Sterling K. Brown's character comes in. They're like, so tell us what do you think what, what do you think is going on. And he says exactly what they already said. And then the guy, guy like Quinn Hallbrook's character is like, huh, I didn't think about that. And it's like, you just said it. Yeah. You just had this theory. And, and it's like, it's not obvious at all. They don't have any evidence. And they're like, yeah, I think this one was actually trying to save us and because we're endangered because climate change obviously like it's like what no whoa whoa whoa, whoa. they're making <laughs> these leaps in writing there has to be scenes in there 
that are involving the predators talking or mm -hmm. some shit. Otherwise, it's just you don't write a script where people are figuring out something like that. You just don't. Can we talk? Shane Black doesn't do that. Can we talk about the set design of uh, the museum science laboratory that mm -hmm. the choice that they made there? It's to have everything like on display. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. Every. It's like one like lobby hallway that's like perfectly. <laughs> Glossy and pristine. No laboratory in history has ever fucking looked like that. Yeah, here, yeah. Here's here's the other uh, fake woke part of it. Is like there's all this stuff going on. Hey, climate change is bad. Uh, you know, autistic kids are totally rad. Uh, in fact, they're the next step in evolution. <laughs> and but also, a soldier is the best thing that you can be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like a, being a good soldier That's means that not, you're allowed to be. A that bad is husband. not. The message that we have to see in like American yeah. society today is just like, man, I just want to go enlist in the fucking like, army now. The the most laughable monologue is his wife played the total unforgiving character. She's just like basically a single mother because her husband is this shithead soldier, and she's like, yeah, you know, yeah, he's a piece of shit. Yeah, I don't like him. Yeah, he's a horrible father. And but he son. has like a bunch of confirmed kills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's a bad dad. Our son has special needs. He's never home, but he's a good soldier. Yeah, and then that. and then like uh like inspiring trumpets yeah. playing. It's hilarious. Dude, the music in this movie is yeah. horrendous. And that's another dated thing. It's like it, it's like a bad 80s movie yeah. music. Yeah. And like, like they good. they insert like heroic like when when they start the riot in the bus and they're fighting the guards, it's like triumphant like superhero yeah. music. Yeah. It's like what what Okay, a, a thought about that bus though. Yeah. The windows are blacked out when they're in the bus. You can't even see like uh, lights or like buildings going past them as they drive along and then when they cut outside you can clearly see into the bus like the windows aren't blacked out from the outside so so much of this movie reeks of like sets and yeah. actors on yeah. sets like I never ever thought that like I was in a real place yeah. that was like any with any sort of like geographic understanding of the characters or the story being told in my head I was always like these are actors on a set. This yeah. is a set. And so I was expecting self-awareness, right? We get some of that, but it's bad self-awareness. First of all, they're, you know, the classic Predator movies, what they do is they take the spines of the people. Yeah. They repurpose that, and they're like, actually, it's not a trophy. They're trying to steal our best evolutionary traits. Um, and then we also have Get to the Choppas. Yeah. Get to the Choppas, which cuts to them on bikes. <laughs> not even a helicopter. No, I don't know if you guys noticed that when you said, get to the Choppa, and it was like, well, oh, sweet, they're going to get well, in the helicopter. No, like, no it's, it's a joke because motorcycles are also choppers. Oh, yeah. no. So, so it cuts over to motorcycles, and you're like, <laughs> oh, God. And, and then we cut to Olivia Munn tranquilized, straddling our lead man. <laughs> So hot, like huge. Man, I love when women like don't have to. Also, power. why was she out there trying to shoot the predator? She's a scientist. Why was she running and like jumping onto a moving? In science. <laughs> yeah, it's it's absurd. Everything about this movie is bad. The way it was shot, you. It's not even just that it's a set. It's that the action you can tell is not actually compelling. It's not actually something scary happening. When when the predator's running under her and she's running on top of like the beams outside, yeah. it didn't it didn't look scary. It didn't look cool. It didn't look anything. It just yeah. looked like what it was, and that's just bad and shooting. It, it There's was no excuse. I mean, the writing is like really bad and rough for a Shane Black movie. Like the whole 
scene where um, they get into the alien ship and they're like, oh, we have a translator now. And you can tell they were like, oh, yes, now the prayer can actually talk. He can do his thing. It was yeah, like, yeah. what? That's just stupid. Oh. Like, you don't... They, they made a character who is there so that you can actually have them do something and show some action so there is an exposition and they turned him into an expository character like what are yeah you there's a ton me? of clunky oh, yeah the whole thing with the sun uh he thought it was a video game this like holographic oh, yeah. thing okay so about about yeah let's talk about jacob tremblay for a minute because this movie starts with a big old action sequence we're in media res of this which Predator. is the best action sequence yeah. in the whole movie. So the movie starts, and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do this. 90 minutes of Predator fucking action. Let's, 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 let's do this. Mm-hmm. And we get this really solid scene in the jungle of Predator fighting guy. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, hell yeah, let's do this. We cut to kid in school. And the movie completely falls apart yeah, within the span of like two oh, minutes. Oh man, we had an Asperger's joke in there. And then mm-hmm. it never recovers. The but, movie never recovers. Yeah, the issue is they were trying to make this into a bunch of different movies. They it, like the best thing about the first Predator is that there's no pretense. It's just an action movie. Yeah. And they're trying to make this a domestic thing. They're trying to make you give a shit about Jacob Tremblay. They're trying to make you give a shit about the mother. The scientist, too. Yeah, and, and Olivia Munn. And there's all these angles they're coming at where they're like, actually, what if Predator like went domestic? And the Predators, A, are uh, the least scary I've ever seen any alien character. Although, there were a couple shots where it kind of looked like a guy in a suit, like a practical effect. And that, that, I appreciated well, that. Yeah, it's, I can appreciate it, but they, there was never a moment that I was like, ah, the no. predator. <laughs> okay, and to that point, when the big, the mega predator, whatever they want to fucking call him, crashes through the roof, the, the, <laughs> the basement or whatever of the, of the house, yeah. and the wife looks at it, she's like, oh, huh, there's a fucking alien crashing through my house. Yeah. That's, that's something. It's like, wouldn't you be like, Freaking the fuck out if that happened yeah. to you. <laughs> what? Yeah, like her face is just like, huh. There's there's only so much that I can uh, attribute to like editing, cutting room floors, rewrites, reshoots. There are some things that are inexcusable. Everybody in this movie acts so fucking stupid too. Like it's established that this predator helmet that they have the power to use has like this super ability to like blow shit up and kill shit. And yet, they don't use the helmet, except for in a couple of scenes. And other than that, they're just still, like, shooting guns at this guy, when obviously that's not doing fucking anything. And they're like, maybe if we just keep shooting at him, it'll do something eventually. It's like, no, you literally have this super <laughs> weapon that you're and not the, using. And the arm thing, the too. The arm thing, I... The, okay, so I guess it got a little bit turned into... It got brought back as, like, a comedic thing, but, like, wherever he's in Mexico and he swallows the, uh, the camouflage... Yeah. Thing. yeah. Oh my. Why? 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 Why did he do that? He never got searched or anything. I feel like that is a scene just, where it got cut out or something because you never see him actually be searched. Exactly. It's, it's just slide. That's what he swallowed it, the camouflage yeah. for. There. Yeah. That's that's an editing. Like there are a lot of loose ends in this movie. Um. That's one of them. He goes to Mexico. He has this little thing that he took off of the predator. And he's like, I should like swallow that thing. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing stop? And then he mails all this shit home. And Jacob Tremblay ends up with it, and he 
he is Rain Man, so all of a sudden he knows how to be alien now. Yeah, and we get that moment of him putting all the chess pieces back in the oh, exact God, spot. Oh, God, that was like, such a horror movie. And the thing is, there, I knew this movie was bad so early that when they introduced an autistic character, I was like, well, he's also going to be a genius. Yeah. <laughs> Just because that is... That is how we make autism acceptable in shitty movies. It's yeah. like it's it's okay. He's really smart. Men, other mental illness is bad. It's funny, and but his autism per- is good. His performance was so horrible. Like yeah. he is just so one note the yeah. whole movie. And I that's the thing. Like I know he's good in Room, but like he was bad. And his lines were bad, and the directing was bad. But he was also bad. Yeah, and he we was- never we never get a chance to care about the, you know, in a movie like this you should have some sort of emotional core if you're trying to introduce like a kid with a father and a wife yeah, like no chemistry. but there you don't you never care about that you never see anything that makes you think like huh this father and son relationship is the emotional core of this movie and why I should yeah. care about these characters like you know, you you're never given a chance to care about any of these people. It's, it's because of the tonal clash that we were talking about. It's because there will be this scene where like they're fighting the predators, and there's this massive action set piece that looks like shit. And then right after that is when there's this heartfelt conversation while they're on the run from the predators, and all this shit's going on. He's like, you know, son, I, I'm not around that much. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 no. Mom no. says you kill people. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> yeah, what's well, uh, it's like you're only a killer if you like it. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> but but yeah, uh, Tremblay. That whole thing was bad. The fact that it was it was too woke that the predators want Jacob Tremblay because he's the next step in evolution to be autistic. Yeah, can we talk about was there ever bad. like a more obvious thing in a movie ever than like that? Oh, McKenna, it's not him. It's the son that they want. Yeah, exactly. Like it almost caught me off guard because it was so simple. Yeah, it was stupid. It's because there was the, there was the most obvious setup line where Olivia Munn's like you know, actually, some scientists think that uh, autism isn't a disability; it's an advantage. Yeah, it, do they? Do, are there scientists that say that? Are there expert? Is like, that an expert the opinion? Thing, that well, we're... The, the reason for this whole trope is that like people on the spectrum tend to have above average intelligence, but to make them all geniuses and to imply that they're like the superior master race is is really bad for all of the autistic people out there who are low functioning or just like. Even just like slightly above average intelligence, all of a sudden everyone thinks that they're a genius. Yeah, there's no negative signs of this guy's autism in this movie, except, except the for beginning. the bully. Yeah, except, yeah, except saying, for the bully, but that's it. It's just, and the way that he is able to use this alien technology is just stupid, man. Like, I don't care how smart he is. He, so, this is. Yeah, and then he ends up being like a government employee yeah. <laughs> at the end of the movie oh, yeah. with his the own desk. Like 12. <laughs> like, yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, 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 yeah. He is, he's a, like a roboticist or something. So shit. before we get to the end of the movie, because I have so many thoughts about it saying of a sequel that will never happen, but I, this is like a nitpick and not in my top ten of grievances, but can we stop, because Alien Covenant had this thing too, where we have this alien race that is far superior and more advanced to humankind but, like, their spaceships can still so easily be taken down. They have, like, force fields and everything else. But all it takes is a dude to, like, jump into the engine. And then it's well, like, oh, man, it's going down now. Like, they they have, like, 
the most like archaic. They're slightly more modernized than what normal humans yeah, have as yeah. far as spaceships well, go. The other yeah, the other thing was with that is the the parallel of of their planet with ours is just astounding. That like. This this one uh, super predator, he has two pit bull predators. Yeah. <laughs> and and at one point they're like, Well, don't you want to know what that thing is? And he's like, No, that guy's a hunter, it's his dogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my fucking whole like the fact that wow, like it's just evolution is like it's the same everywhere, man. Like the hunters on every planet have dogs. And they're also pit bull dogs. And then the and then the, the pit bull starts like being like domesticated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just because he's shot in the yeah, head, the, he's suddenly yeah. So this pit bull, who's he got like fucking lobotomized, and now he's friendly. Yeah, and this this thing is huge and terrifying, and it comes up to them and it lets out a little squeal and it's like stumbling. They're like, oh, let's like let it live and like let it follow us. That thing could murder all of you <laughs> at the snap of a finger, you fucking morons. The whole and then he knows how to play fetch. Yeah, and oh yeah, <laughs> and and the CG of these dogs was like markedly bad. Yeah, the worst CG in the whole movie. The worst I've seen in years of anything. Like, also, this bad. the CG of like the green goop, the yeah. the insides oh, God, that yeah. was really bad. It looked bad. like some like shit from Ghostbusters. Like it didn't yeah. look yeah. natural Just, in any way, shape, or form. I don't, it, it, this movie, like, I had heard things of like, oh, it's it's just fun and it's yeah. kind of whatever. I really didn't expect every individual component of this movie. I was failure. I was hoping that we were gonna somehow get something resembling the original movie, where it's just it's kind of action, fun. yeah, and it's just action uh, without any deviation from the action. Like, just give us something where it's. Guys fighting a monster like that. That first Predator movie, it be- basically becomes like a slasher movie in its mm-hmm. second half, mm-hmm. where the Predator is just picking guys off. Like, let's just give me that. Like, why? How is that so hard? Like, exactly. just replicate that. If you're already rehashing an old '80s movie, rehash it the right way and don't try to like do yeah. this weird shit. Exactly, because this movie is rated R, but it, it's it. Felt to me like it's made for like Transformers. Yeah. It's like it's made for eleven years. And then Jacob Tremblay drops the F bomb at one point for no oh, reason. That that also pissed me <laughs> off how he has he cannot deal with people, but then he drops that perfect one liner yeah. to Sterling K. Yeah. Brown. I don't even remember what it was. I wish yeah. I wrote it down because it was so bad. Yeah. But yeah, every actor, Sterling K. Brown, I think is great. There was Wasted. one there was one line from Sterling K. Brown that I actually did genuinely like. It may have been the only joke in the whole movie that worked for me, which is when Olivia Munn is like going on the mini rant about like how it's not a predator because it, it it's not killing oh, yeah. for for need, yeah, it's killing like for sport. Sure yeah, and then Scarly, Sterling K. Brown is like he's like well, we took a vote on it, so we're calling it the Predator. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's what I was expecting. I was like, okay, that yeah. worked. No, and I love how, because at first I thought that was a good joke, and then they recycle that joke like three different times throughout the movie, and yeah. everybody's going to be like, see, I told you. It's like, no, that's what, why are you? Yeah, even yeah, even the stuff that I was like, all right, it's a lock that this is going to have some good self-aware jokes because it's Shane Black. Even those suck. There were, there were a few lines that got fired off that I was like, that's a good line. And there were a few little set pieces there were some good ideas buried in this movie that you can barely even see. For example, like the idea that the kid, this kid has the mask of the predator and he knows how to use it somehow, that's all dumb. But him using it as a Halloween costume is a smart idea. Yes, yeah, that was cool. And it sets up what could have been a really cool action set piece. 
Instead, basically what happens is he just blows up a house. And, he murders and he, some guy. Yeah, he murders some people, <laughs> and then just, like, throws the mask on the ground. Yeah. It's supposed to be just, like, funny, I guess. Like, the it's setup of that is a smart idea. It's just buried, and it's not... Everything before it and after it is stupid, so you don't even notice it, even. It's just... It's baffling. How yeah, and was. about the about some of the deaths and the, and the violence in here, some of it is really effective. Like when the predator wakes up in the lab and starts like hacking dudes up. Like I really like that. That was yeah. that was well done. Uh, but then like towards the end of the movie, when our main characters start dying, and you have uh, the one guy like jump into the turbine of the ship, mm-hmm. and it's like it's played for a laugh. And then the two guys like shoot each other as they're like yeah. bleeding out. It's was, like which that is should the be... best shot of the movie, I will say, even if it didn't actually work. It was like a cool looking. Yeah, shot. yeah, and it, and like and that is actually an interesting idea to have these guys. A, they sacrifice themselves for the group, and then B, they're like, hey, we're going out together. They shoot. They, yeah, they shoot yeah. Th- that should be an emotional but, moment because we're following yeah, these characters exactly. the whole movie. But I laughed. Uh, the execution of it, I just thought. I was like, I don't care that they're dying, and the movie thinks I care that they're dying, <laughs> and that's funny. Um, because that is smart. There was, I mean, to speak to the stupidity of the characters, which, you know, that's a problem in a lot of movies like Prometheus, I always shit on because everyone's mm-hmm. stupid. Um, this movie had a lot of people that thought, hey, I should jump on the Predator. <laughs> like, four people are like, that's how I kill it. While he's on fire. Yeah, yeah. I, should, I think I should just jump on the freaking thing. Like, has anyone tried that yet? Um, it, it's just things like that where it's like, Shane, you know how to, you know how to direct and write good sequences. Yeah. And jumping on the Predator looks funny. It looks stupid. And he kept doing it. And I, I was just... It's just why. It's a big why. Yeah. I, I think maybe this this movie should have been like a 21 Jump Street wacky ass comedy. You know, and like I just go like, full comedy. I feel like they, like maybe it was just a thing with Shane, maybe it was a producer thing, but like they didn't know what to do with this movie. Because there's parts where it is played for like laughs and self-awareness, but it doesn't work because the majority of the movie isn't like that. And so it yeah. has this identity crisis where it doesn't know if it's yeah. trying to be a serious predator movie exactly. or if it's trying to be self But even even 21 Jump Street at the end there, it gets... It has an emotional it, core Exactly. You actually care about their friendship yeah. and their it's relationship. Just, another, another thing that I thought was particularly... It's hard to fuck up. It's hard that you're like... You're rarely like... Hey, the problem with this movie is the editing. The editing of this movie was poorly done on a basic level. It was poorly done. There are a few scenes... Uh, where, you know, you, you get two characters and they're trying to communicate an idea to each other without saying words. There are a few times this happens. And typically that's done and it's very effective because we like that. We like when there's silence and like we're like, hey, what are they trying to tell each other? But it never worked in this movie. They did it about four times. The, the most egregious uh, couple of shots in this movie are... Uh, our lead guy is stuck on the inside of the force field and, the, you know, his friend is on the outside. <sighs> and... It cuts back and forth between them both, just kind of grunting and looking at each other for about ten seconds, and you're like, okay, we're looking at him, and he's stuck, and they're they're not moving, they're still there, they're not looking at each other because you can't even see their eyes, and it's about just ten seconds of filler shots that don't need to be there, and no idea is communicated, and then the guy just jumps into the fucking yeah. sacrifice himself, which should be like, it should be a thing where his eyes are just like. I know what I have to do. And there's not that moment. There's just like these sloppy ass shots that are poorly shot and poorly edited. This, taking a step back, this movie 
doesn't understand basic rules of filmmaking of yeah. setup and payoff exactly. because there's like for us to care about the story and the characters they need to be set up and there is no setup like even if they shot those scenes and they removed them it, it, it's the final product has that completely removed we never we are never introduced to the characters in a way that we actually get to know them there's a lot of explanation and, ex and exposition to try to get us to that point like yeah. almost like the movie's playing catch up with itself it's, yes it um is. but then there's these other things with like i don't know like the camouflage ball or like these devices these macguffins mm -hmm. or even the the predator civil war b story that there's all of these uh, auxiliary things happening in the movie that should be set up and paid off but they're just like they just come off as like dangling threads that the movie doesn't know well, what to do with. Well, to that point, um, this just makes me think of towards the end of the movie when they're like doing their little tribute off to the characters and they're like, oh, here's a pack of cigarettes for Nebraska. There's this for this guy. Here's this little uh, Hawaiian bobblehead. Did he have this on him the whole time? Yeah, where I guess, it's like, I guess he it's, did. <laughs> it's literally like a thing where it was like, that was a sh scene that they just totally took out of the movie, yeah. and then they're like, oh, I guess we have to explain this since we already have this shot of them <laughs> exactly. making a tribute, and this is one of the props that we have for. Exactly. It's, that's like one of those things where I like, I laughed out loud in the theater wherever I saw it, because I was like, that's so yeah. notably, like, they try and turn into a joke thing, and just like, do you have this all I the was, whole time? But I don't care, because you don't have anything set up. I was already completely checked out at that point. Like, oh. the last, like, 20 minutes Can of this we talk movie. About the ending of this movie? Yeah, well, like, I mean, the last, like, the last act, I guess, of this movie, it should be the best part because they're in the woods fighting the predator. Like, that's what I was waiting for. That's what I wanted the whole time. Like, that's what the whole movie should have been, you know, if it's building to this classic moment of, of action that this whole series is known for. It's the worst part of the movie. Yeah. Like, at that point, I just wanted it to end. Yeah. I was just sitting there waiting for it and to end. A primary reason for that is that it takes away the the thing about the first Predator movie is that you don't know where the thing is. And it's in daytime, too, for the most part. Yeah, for whatever reason, they decided, like, the Predator should just mostly just be visible for the whole movie. Like, the whole thing is that you don't know where the fuck it is mm -hmm. in the woods and it's above you. That's the source of all the tension was you were watching people sit as still as they could. Yeah. That was the tension. That is not even in the movie. They took away the one thing about Predator. Like, they took away the one thing that made it scary. Mm -hmm. Um, as far as the stuff, very end, the, the very end, uh, it's so bad. It's so, it's literally a setup to a sequel that will never happen. Exactly. Like it's reminiscent of like it's, movies like the mummy from yeah. last year and stuff like that, where it's like set up just like, oh man, now the sequel is about to come out and nobody, this movie is doing horrendous. Yeah. Oh, there was no one in my theater. I mean, okay. So I should say I saw this movie in IMAX. Thank God for AMC stubs because Otherwise, like, this is the most pointless IMAX movie I've ever seen in my life. Nothing about it sounded or looked any better. There was nobody in my theater. I would have walked out of the theater if it weren't for this goddamn podcast, because that's how bad this movie was. Like, this movie, it literally, I felt myself getting stupider. Like, I just, there was, I feel like I, like, blacked out for, like, 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, Where I was just really spacing off, <laughs> thinking too. about, like, how I had to go to work later and thinking about my night at work and I was like oh shit the movie's still on oh god we still have an hour and 20 minutes to go what the fuck 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there's all this setup at the very end, and like like we said, we have Jacob Tremblay working a full time grown man's job as like a roboticist in this lab. But he's autistic, so he's a genius. Yeah, and you have uh, our lead. He comes in. He's in like full soldier gear. Uh, looking as bad as he's ever looked. He looks horrible in that. He looked pretty good the whole movie. I thought he was a different person yeah, for a yeah, second. Yeah. He genuinely, like, I don't know what happened, but like he looks bad all of a sudden. And it's like this great ceremony where every, the whole audience is supposed to be like, the military is our lifeblood. And and then there's the moment where he comes in and he's like, hey son, what you working on? Oh, that's pretty cool. I'll, I'll tell your mom. So it's like, oh cool, he's with the mom. And the mom is... The thing is, he's still working as a soldier, and now that the son's gone too, so the mom is just like alone somewhere <laughs> with a destroyed house. So, yeah. so okay, so I have this question too after my showing. So, are him and Olivia Munn supposed to have romantic tension? She straddles him. Is he supposed to still be faithful to the mom? Because there's no there's no romantic chemistry either way, so I don't know what exactly yeah, it's supposed to be cheering for as like a yeah, viewer. It's like a combined character thing where with a lot of scripts, like you would expect if just a nobody wrote this and then a studio took it and they would be like, Well actually Olivia Munn's kinda of this and then they would they would combine characters and you'd end up with this confusing thing. But no one's gonna fuck with the Shane Black script. He had full rights to make this good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he had a tour ability to make it good. Um and, yeah, and since we're talking so much about stuff that hits the cutting room floor, we gotta mention the you know the cloud over this. The whole character got cut was, out, right? Yeah, there was a character. Um, they say it was a scene. I would imagine it's it might be multiple scenes. Uh, Shane Black cast his old friend in this movie, who he didn't tell anyone, but it turns out this guy is a convicted sex predator. Um, I'm not gonna make the joke. <laughs> and. <laughs> And so when the cast found out and when it was leaked to the public, they had to very quickly get rid of all that shit. Like, weeks before release, we're talking them fucking off this movie. But the thing is, I'm not going to give this movie the credit to say it would have been good with that stuff. It yeah, still would have been no bad. Way. It just may have been, like... Underst- may have been a little bit less messy. It, it may have been understandable. Um, and Olivia Munn is very pissed off. And she pretty much should be because she was in scenes alone with this guy. So like half her character got, yeah, maybe totally. Maybe that's destroyed. her. Maybe he was like her romantic interest or something. Um, because yeah, she she, they, she said specifically she was like I was the only member of the cast that had to work like solo with this guy like a lot. She said, and she she is vocally very mad at Shane Black. It's horrible press for the movie, which is already bad anyway. This movie is going to be forgotten in a month. It's going to be gone off the map. Yeah. And it should be. Yeah. And the very, very end, the cut to credits, is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen all year. It's him just being like, oh, it's my new suit, bub. Looking oh, at the at the, yeah. at the revamped yeah. uh, Predator mech suit. Yeah, and because, yeah, that's the setup, is the woke Predator. Uh, he gifted the human race with the, the Predator killer, which is... You know, you could think it would be like a nuke or something to kill all of them, but he just, he gave him a suit that is a predator. Yeah. 
So it's and a, didn't the didn't the scientists learn their lessons the last time they had a predator alien in their lab and it murdered yeah, everyone? Exactly. And they're just like, well, we're just gonna rebuild I, the lab and do the same thing maybe, over again. Maybe my biggest pet peeve with movies is when every character is stupid. And they're, they're <laughs> every character in this movie is just yeah, so first, dumb. So first of all, it wakes up. Except for Jacob Tremblay. It's it's in these like metal stainless steel restraints, and it wakes up, and they're like, oh shit, it's waking up. Um, everyone grab it. And they all, so everyone. <laughs> Don't you have like tranquilizer like at the ready yeah. in case this thing happens? So everyone runs to the predator, like right near the mouth. The guy gets bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, basically, the the predator killer shoots out of this fucking briefcase and and like he's like in the suit for a second and then he just comes out of it and he's like. Man, I thought it was gonna be a superhero. He doesn't actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. Also, <laughs> so many moments throughout this whole movie where you'd think that if there was an alien on Earth, that people would keep a fucking eye on it at least, because then they it attacks this town and they run into a school. It destroys the school. Yeah. Nobody comes to do anything about it. And then later on, once it's all over, two cop cars show up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like the what the <laughs> fuck. No. The fuck? Dude, this... Oh, my God. So many things about this movie are just, like... It's, 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 it's baffling. Yeah. It's literally... It's it's just absolutely baffling. Like, I just don't really understand it, you know, how this is the final product yeah, that you got. It, it genuinely... It reminds me of, like, if you go back and you watch just, like, any kid's show from when you were a kid, and you're like, well, these plot points are bullshit. Well, I mean, this, like, was, this was the problem I had with Alien Covenant, where it's just people being so stupid. They took the worst parts about Prometheus, and then... Highlighted those and turned those into the full movie. Yeah. Where they're just like, oh man, this one's gonna be more gory this, though. But this is so much stupider and such a worse movie than Alien Covenant. Uh, oh yeah. Here's yeah my for sure. This is the the opposite of a pitch. My anti pitch for this movie is don't make it. This, this movie is Pacific Rim if it also looked bad. Yeah. Because <laughs> I Guillermo didn't have. Yeah, exactly. Like I hate Pacific Rim, but at least it looks pretty cool. This is that. Like, it's stupid like Pacific Rim, and it wastes all the talent and has bad performances like Pacific Rim. And it looks bad, and it's edited poorly. So, another point that I wanted to make was, you think if there's aliens coming after you, why are... I guess it's trying to make a statement about humankind or something, but there's still, like, humans killing each other. Like, the whole yeah. Sterling K. Brown character was just so dumb. Like, maybe chewing he be, like, gum. trying to work Is that together. what he was doing? Yeah, he's chewing Nicorette because, you know, he's, oh. he hasn't smoked anymore. Yeah. You didn't notice that long lingering shot on his Nicorette pack? Because I did. Um, no, it's. Is that it's product trying placement? To make, it's trying to make a statement about how, like, man, dude, humans, even in the worst situations, we're still fighting each other, man. And it's like, no, that wouldn't happen. At that point, you'd be like, hey, so we'll deal with this shit later, but do you want to, like, work with me so that we can, like, fucking kill this alien monster that's going to wipe out the human race? Yeah, and, yeah. I, I think. The most egregious plot point, there's a lot. The most egregious thing about this movie, I really think, is them piecing together that there's this predator, this woke predator. Um, especially because Sterling K. Brown is the one who's like, how much longer do you think we have on here before climate change takes over? Sterling <laughs> K. Brown is like, he's like a military... What even is he? He's like a, His character, it doesn't care about climate change. Much less, like, could project it. Into yeah. <laughs> what do we have? One, two more generations? Like, you're an asshole character. That's not you. It, I don't. I I don't have. 
I didn't think I would have much to say about this movie, but I kind of like talking about bad movies more than good ones. Well, you know, I think the biggest takeaway here is that every once in a while, it's good to watch a bad movie to appreciate yeah. to appreciate the good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I I enjoyed watching this movie because of how bad it was. I you know I did not enjoy watching well, it at all. I enjoyed talking about it afterwards, but while in the theater, I yeah, was miserable. Well, I wish I wish that <laughs> a I wish we had been together because we would have we would have ruined it. Oh man, time. yeah, we would have just walked out together like, hey, do you just want to leave? And then we'll talk. <laughs> we'll review like the first act of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the the issue with this is like we can watch Bright and just laugh. Yeah, but we didn't pay for Bright. Right. I I don't have AMC stubs. Uh, I just paid for this yeah. oh, no. shit movie. This and, is why you get stubs. And I was just kind of taken aback, man. Like, best let's let's do best case scenario for this movie. They put back in all the scenes with the sexual predator. They they uh, basically they put in everything Shane Black wanted. It's now so now we have a two and a half hour coherent movie that is still horrible. Yeah. And still looks bad and still has bad dialogue. Yeah, I mean there's still no real saving this movie. There, yeah, there's no like best case this is a bad movie. Alright, well that's our review of The Predator. Please God don't see this movie. Don't it's see it. fucking horrible. There's a new Nicolas Cage movie that's out in limited release right now. It's actually really it's actually on video on demand. Oh, is like it? we oh, should okay. rent it and watch it and talk about that next yeah, week. Yeah, we should talk about that next Mandy. week. Mandy. Yeah. Um, there's nothing else coming out for the rest of the month. There's that new um, uh, Michael Moore documentary, Fahrenheit 11 9. That's yeah. coming out, and I think that's it. October is going to be pretty good, though. October, October, November, we're going to start getting well, the first man is coming out. Yeah, yeah. And, and also we have American Vandal season two to watch. And the Good Place. And, yeah, Good, good place, place premieres next week. Yeah, a lot of a lot of TV coming back. Uh, so things are going to get better. Don't worry, guys. Yeah, sorry about this episode. This is, you know, thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, this is on par with Wrinkle in Time, where I was like, man, I wish I were. You know, the more that we talk about this, this might be worse than a Wrinkle. At oh, first I was yeah, like, Wrinkle in Time sure. was like, the thing is with that is it was dumber, but it was also like a kids movie. This yeah, isn't exactly. meant to be a kids movie. This, this is, is an R-rated, yeah. And it's just fucking horrible. Yeah. Like, it's just that bad. Like, I'd give this movie probably like a 2 out of 10, to be perfectly honest. Like I Really? really that low? Maybe a 3. Yeah. I, okay, I'd, I'd go like, like a 3 or 4. Yeah. I'd give it like a 3 out of 10 I, because of some cool shots, I guess. I know, I know Wrinkle in Time is more forgivably stupid but it, this reminded me a lot of when I was watching that where I was like at every level it's a failure like it's the same thing where it just it looks stupid like there's lettuce monster you know <laughs> and just every lettuce monster who actually did at that. least at least wrinkle in time was trying to do something like fucking weird and out there yeah this movie was not trying to do that yeah wrinkle in time I don't think ever had a chance to be a good movie I think that there is a way to make this a good movie, which is why I was cautiously optimistic going into it, and I just was so extremely disappointed despite having pretty low expectations yeah. for it. I, I was hoping it would at least be dumb fun, yeah. and it was just dumb. It wasn't. It wasn't even that. Well, yeah, a lot. I mean, a lot of the reviews that I've read, they say that, which people say that a lot with movies that like a lot of people like. Like yeah. Pacific Rim, the whole thing was, like, oh, it's just fun, man. Yeah. It's just a blast. And the thing with like the the um, kind of overarching conversation on the internet is like part of you wants to feel like you don't want to judge a movie based on that and like, huh, 
you know, everyone's saying it's bad. It can't be that bad. Like, maybe maybe I'll go see it and make my own opinion out of it. And then you go see it, it turns out, oh, shit, it was even worse than I yeah, thought it would it be. Yeah, it was, like, I think that it is worse than most reviews are giving it credit yeah. for. Like, A.A. Dowd even had, like, a semi-positive review of it. Just yeah. like, yeah, it was dumb fun. He gave it, like, a three out of five stars. That's like, a, yeah, what? that's the what? thing is people that I really respect are saying it's not. No There's one, no way that, like, yeah. I don't know how you can watch this movie and say this is an above-average movie. Like, I just don't, yeah. I don't understand I, I think this movie, I think in uh, in 2006 and seven, this is like a, a two and a half star movie. And yeah. now it's just, it's even worse than that. Um, but I think this movie would have made a lot of money back then. I think a decade ago, this movie makes gangbusters, even though it sucks. You know what what I mean? is the mm-hmm. box office at at the first weekend? It premiered at around 20 or 30 mil, around between, right in between there, I think. Yeah, um, 24 mil. It's actually, it's like basically on par with Predator's. That came out. Yeah. Predators made like less than a million. Back when Adrian Brody thought he was going to be an action star. Oh. R.I.P. What even happened to his career? Didn't we mention him last week? Yeah, I mean. He, what were we talking about? Oh, for recast. Recasting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sad Adrian Brody's career. So uh, September looks to be about wrapped up. Oh, there's uh, The Old Man and the Gun comes out at the very end of September, which is the new David Lowry film starring Robert Redford. It's Robert Redford's last performance. Yeah. Uh, and I've heard really good things about it. So. There's, I mean, I've actually heard some pretty solid things about the movie Life Itself as like kind of a rom-com thing. I've heard that that's... Actually, yeah, from the good. This Is Us guy. Yeah, I've actually heard pretty good things about it, about how it's, like, fun, and a lot of people are just like, go see that instead of seeing The Predator. Also, The um, House with a Clock in Its Walls, we get some more Jack Black. The House with a Clock in Its Walls? Yeah. I'm not going to watch that, don't make me No, we're not going to watch that. Um, also, The Sisters Brothers, which is uh, with John C. Riley and Joaquin, and Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed? Yeah, that's Whoa. a good cast. Okay. That sounds great. Let's let's try to catch that. Um, um, but yeah. Look, really quick, here's a fun little game. I'm going to read through... This isn't even a game. I'm just going to read through the names of the characters in Predators. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Nebraska. Yeah. <laughs> Stop me when you hear a name that you're like, oh, that, that could be a guy. Uh, Quinn McKenna. Your, your lead, Quinn McKenna. Nebraska Williams. <laughs> Rory McKenna. Coyle. One name. <laughs> Casey Brackett. That's a, that's a name. Casey, okay. Casey yeah. That's an actual name. Uh, Traeger, one name. <laughs> Baxley. One no, name. Baxley is uh, Reek from Game of Thrones, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's yeah, Thomas Rachel. Jane. That's, that's no, no, no. You're, I'm talking about the character. You're talking about Lynch. Oh, Lynch. You oh, got Lynch. 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 Nettles. <laughs> <laughs> Keys. Uh, Emily. Okay, that's... Yeah, there we go. I guess. Predator as Brian Prince. <laughs> so who... What what was um, Shane Black on while he was writing the screenplay? I don't. This, this was he on like Ambien or something? Maybe he was just like really coked up, and he was like, "This makes so much goddamn sense." No, I don't need to rewrite it. This is perfect. Yeah, right? And I can finally. This is the way I bring my rapist buddy back in the fold. This is probably like not good because I mean I feel like after the nice guys, he did kind of have like a pass to make whatever he wanted and. I hope um, they didn't fuck up his future. Like, I mean, this movie. no, like I said, this has to be an old script, and it's and it, everything about it kind of reeked of like a rush job. Like these movies are on schedules, and maybe just everything went wrong making it. Yeah. But even then, it's bad. All right, let's let's wrap it up, guys. Um, you can email us at webottomic@gmail.com. 
Find us on Twitter at We Bought a Mike and let us know what you thought of the Predator, the movie, the, the Hunter for Sport. Yeah, the movie, not the um, president. Hey, that behind me, Weinstein. All right, I'm online. I'm on the computer. You can find me. Yeah, that's it. Go into the computer. Yeah, I'm on mail. My address is bleep. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. Um, yeah, check it out. This will be. Uh, I've been ranking every movie I've seen this year, and I think that this is going to be the worst of the worst. I didn't think that yeah. Wrinkle in Time was going to be breached. So my my list is just the movies that I liked. So I'm not including the movies. that I started I did not to like. do that at first, but then I just wanted to like, do the whole year. I wanted to like organize every movie nah, that I've seen this year and put it in way rank. more. Yeah, it's more it's, fun to review bad movies. It's honestly <laughs> like at this point I'm at like almost fifty movies. So let's let's scrap the whole schedule for the rest of the year and only see bad movies. Fuck honestly, all the awards buzz. I'm not okay. We're not going to see them in theaters, but if there's something that we hear is bad on Netflix, I'm down to watch it. Right. I'm not going to pay to watch a single. Do the package. Movie. Let and, us let us yeah. know um, if you want to sit. We could watch that uh, that slice movie, the um, the Chance the Rapper movie. See, that's, that's supposed a, to be horrible. That's yeah, another movie that. that I was hoping because it looked bad, but I was hoping it'd be dumb fun. And when people are saying it's not even dumb fun, that's giving me low expectations for it. Hey, I'll still know. watch it just for Adam for uh, Austin Beasley and Chance. But yeah, Chance was in because he was in that short film like Mr. Happy. Yeah, he didn't have any lines. I mean, he sucked in it. He's yeah. horrible. Um, and it's like, yeah, let's give him a movie now. Alright, I'm at Caldernist online. You can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, Instagram, and uh, thanks for listening. We will catch you next week with um, something. Something. Maybe some Bojack? Bojack, season five. Alright. Bye. I love Fall Boy. I better know.